שיר. ברוכים הבאים בשם השם ולחנוכם מבייס השם. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night שיר. In memory of Eliza Shalamis. The Shir of the New Year. The Shir of the New Year. We've had a Shir this year already. Baruch Hashem. We missed the Shir, unfortunately. But this is officially the Shir of the New Year. Just bumped into an old... Consider him a friend. He's a little younger than I am. A couple of years. Always consider him a good friend. His name is Rabbi Isaac Landau. Son of Rabbi Moshe Landau. Of Bnei Brak, Chief Rabbi Bnei Brak, and um, Sir Isaac Schnell. Off the top of your head, I'm giving a shir in a half hour. I want to quote you. So he took the expression that I was going to use anyway to the beginning of the shir, but he gave it a little bit of the uh, embellishment. He said to chassidim say. The way we establish ourselves in Shabbos Bereshis, we establish ourselves for the entire year. Shabbos Bereshis has an effect on the entire year. Um, and he explained, why do we say that? Why is wrong, what's wrong with saying the whole month, the whole month of holidays. Why is it chapan? Why would we dafke chapan Shabbos bereishis? The answer is an obvious answer, a simple answer. If you see somebody on Rosh Hashanah acting different than they act the whole year, acting more religious, acting more connected to God, etc. No, it's Rosh Hashanah today. On Yom Kippur, if they're really acting holy and spiritual and connecting to God, who would expect different? One of my children wa- works in a uh, school where one of the teachers, and not, unfortunately a Jewish woman is not yet religious, or not religious at this point in her life. She was religious, now she isn't. And they were talking before Yom Kippur, and everyone is wishing this, wishing that. And she said, fasting? I'm not going to fast. I don't fast, Yom Kippur. And then one of the other women who is really not religious there says, are you off your mind? You don't fast on Yom Kippur, are you crazy? Are you nuts? Yom Kippur! Yom Kippur, you fast! And everybody, as they were part of their ways, they said, they told her specifically, have an easy fast. See Yom Kippur? No. It's far to Yom Kippur. Come Sukkis! <laughs> This year we had a few de- rainy days in Sukkot. And Chabad, we laugh. Because we say that um, 
The reason it was raining is because God wanted to be alone with the Chabadnikim in the sukkah. Because we don't eat out of the sukkah, no matter what the weather is. Yeah, we don't drink a glass of water, even if it's pouring, pelting rain. We haven't tried it in snow yet, but I'm sure we would. Um, so sukkahs, you have, you have your lulav, you have your essay. Shabbos Bereishis, it's over. I mean, for the most part. As the housewives, they're putting their house together again. They're starting to see their floor, they're starting to see their walls. They might be cooking a little extra still because Shabbos Bereishis, Al Kaponim here in Crown Heights, is still a substantial amount of guests. And they still need to cook, a, we still cook a little extra, more than we usually cook during a regular Shabbos. But it's not Rosh Hashanah. It's not Yom Kippur. It's not Sukkot. It's Shabbos. It's your first, like we said, the first year of the year. The first regular Shabbos of the year. And therefore, Azevim Mishtel Tzachavek, Shabbos Bereshis, Tzachavek, Tzachavek, Afagansiyar. Therefore, it's Shabbos Bereshis, that's the Kunz. To keep that spirit to keep that fervor, that fire, that energy that we had built up in the course of the month of Tishrei, and to keep that flame going on Shabbos Mevarchim, Chedish Marcheshvan, to an extent that this is the way we establish ourselves for the year. So I will thank Isaac for that, Harav Isaac, for that profound explanation as to why the Chassidim say what they say. It's an interesting story. Back in Bohemia, there was a chassid of the Bashemtiv who was a chassid. You saw on him that he was a chassid. His actions, his way of davening, his lifestyle, his interaction with other people. And Baruch Hashem was also blessed with fortune, good fortune. He made Baruch Hashem a very nice panosa. He had a substantial amount of money. And therefore, in Bohemia, he got to rub elbows with the uh, elite, with the better with the better type of people, actually, not just the Jews, but the non-Jews alike. That he was well-known, therefore well-accepted, and therefore well-connected, as we would say it. One day, a servant, the servant comes in, he's sitting in his study, and it's, it's funny, when you talk about a study in the times of the Bashanta, 300 years ago, <laughs> 
you can imagine a study already in a house. But there were those people that had what at those times were considered mansions. Today's days, we would maybe consider it a very fancy bungalow. But they were nice. They were big houses. They had several bedrooms. They had a place to eat separate, and they had a kitchen to eat separate, and they had a uh, they had a room. It says uh, a shtibel that they would call that they would sit and learn. And that's where he would basically spend a lot of his day, a majority of his day. And the servant came in and said, there's somebody here, a very dignified looking fellow, he wants to talk to you. And he said, fine. This nobleman came in and he didn't recognize him at all. He stood up, he welcomed him. The man was in his finest attire. Almost looked kingly. And they sat down with him. And he said, what can I do for you? And he told him, he needs 500, whatever the currency was at the time, ruble. He needs a loan of 500 euro, uh, ruble. Or, or actually, no, there were 500... Five hundred golden. Five hundred golden at the time it works probably about a hundred thousand dollars. Five hundred golden. No. He says, um, interesting. Who are you? I can't tell you. Can't tell me. No, I can't tell you. What property, what, what collateral, what are you putting up here for this 500 gold? It's a tremendous amount of money. And um, he told the Chassid, uh, honestly, I don't have anything to put up. He says, are you making fun of me? You want 500 gold, a small fortune, and you don't even tell me your name. And you're not giving me any collateral. You're not giving me any co-signers. What is this meant to be? He says, I, I, I need it. He says, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm going to go to my Rebbe, to the Bosham Tov. And I'm going to ask him, his opinion. It'll take me a day there and back. Come back tomorrow evening. You can't get a Skype on. Come back tomorrow evening, we'll talk. And the fellow of the Chassid travels early morning out to Mezhbuz. And he gets to the Bashama Kaddish and the Bash- tells the Bashem to the story with his nobleman. And the Bashem says, Give me. Just make sure he writes you a piece of paper. An IOU. He says, But he doesn't give me his name. He's not going to sign it. Doesn't matter. Make sure there's an IOU. 
Kach happened, the guy came home. And the nobleman came back to his house the next night. And he took him, gave him the money. And he wrote a piece of paper, I owe you 500 gulden. And that's the Danya. The fellow left. The chassid went back to his regular life. Shalom. Four or five years later, the chassid was cleaning out his closet and some of his drawers. And he saw a paper that says, I owe you 500 gulden. And he laughed at himself. He says, they never told me to do it. Baruch Hashem, my, my business continued and, and grew, actually. So I don't see any loss of that 500 gulden. It's not, I'm not losing sleep over it. Just interesting. Garnished. Fifteen years passed. The guy literally forgot about this 500 gulden. He's made so many times over the 500 gulden, it's not even consideration anymore. Unfortunately, a few anti-Semites got together and they put together a decree, a program actually, against the Jews. And um, the Jews had six months to leave Bohemia. Six months they had to be out of Bohemia. This is not a pleasant story. What, what do we do now? There's only one person that could nullify this. And that would be the Pope. Pope himself in, in Rome. And he would be able to nullify this. But, a trivial problem. The trivial problem was that if the Pope that in order to get to the Pope in Rome, you have to get to Rome. And Italy was not a very, very Jewish friendly place. And any Jew caught, okay, any Jew caught in Italy in general was in danger for his life. And especially in Rome, the Vatican, unheard of. But in the meantime, he went back to the Bashemtev and told the Bashemtev that the story in Bohemia is such, such, such a situation, and the Jews are in a dire, dire situation. Talking about tens of thousands of families. And then he also told the Bashemtev that the Pope would be able to nullify this decree. So the Bashemtev said to him, No, go to the Pope. He's <laughs> This is a death wish. Uh, how can I go to Pope? How can I go to Rome? How can I go to, to Italy? Bashanta well, says, do you realize how many lives are at stake? And he said, yes, but, 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 nothing is, nothing. you're going. Go home, prepare yourself and travel. And go meet with the Pope. I'm sure he'll listen to you. The chassid doesn't question his ever. And as a chassid, he picked himself up. 
And he said, I'm going. Migate. Came home. Said goodbye to all his family. His wife, his children. He thought maybe this would be the last time he says goodbye to them. And he sets off. The ship was uneventful. He had clothing that would be substantial disguise. Or so he figured. And um, he arranged for a horse and buggy. And he would travel. Incognito. And he arrives to the shores of Italy. And uneventful. He gets his horse and wagon. He's got his hood over his head. On effort. He's heading, he has a map, he printed it out from Google. And there was no ways at the time, you know, come on, so don't, don't, let's not exaggerate. They have ways, they have GPS. Google they had. And <coughs> he's um, using his map, and I thought it turned around. Help the Rebish there. About a day into the journey of a three day journey, he sees one day, middle of the day, a group of peasants surrounding his wagon. They're not letting him through. One guy jumps up onto the wagon, grabs his nose, and says, Yep, he's definitely Jewish. Yes, he, me- he measured the nose and said he was Jewish. No, he looked at the figure that this guy's Jewish. And they started giving him the Bechmakis Yatzach. They started, they're ready to kill him. They're ready to have a lynch right here now. Come on, let's son. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, man in shining armor practically, what is, what's burning over there? Comes waving his sword and he chases away all the hooligans. And grabs the Jew up. Puts him on a horse and takes him home. Takes him home. He gets into his past palace, his castle. And he looks at him and he looks at him and says, Yeah, it's really you. I, I imagine I saw you and I said, Wow, it can't be possible that you're here in Italy. <clears throat> but I saw them wanting to kill you, so I came and I said, I'm going to save whoever this is. And now that I have you here in the castle, I see you actually, it's you. The Jew is so perplexed and so bewildered and befuddled. He says, I know me, but w- w- what do you have with me? He says, you don't remember me? Look at me. He looks, he looks. He says, you lent me 15 years ago 500 gold. He looks and he's shocked. Yeah, it's you. He hugs him. Beautiful. Says, What are you doing here? So he said to him that in Bohemia there's a problem with the uh, Catholic Church there. They wanted they put a decree out, and they want the Jews expelled. The only one that could 
re- rescind this would be the Pope. <laughs> the Pope in Rome? He says, yeah. He says, it's your lucky day. I am such good friends with the Pope. I have such connections there. You'd never believe. He made a few, sent out a few messengers, that, and for the next day there was an appointment with the Pope. And this guy shows up, the nobleman takes the Jew and he brings him to the Pope. Whatever the bishops are standing around. And he presents his case, and the Pope, Zuck, listen, what's going on over here? What's this program all about? And they try to tell and explain to the Pope, the Jews, the Jews, the Jews, the Jews, on the Pope's fancy table, he had a, uh, whatever, a Bible, whatever you want to call it, Papal, Apple, history book. He says, Vesdavaskin, that you know what, let's open the book. Let's see what story we come to. And we'll judge according to that story. If that story says to kill the Jews, I mean, this is most of the stories in this book are about Jews. If it says kill the Jews, then we continue. If it doesn't, we save them. And he opened up the book, and it was in the time of the Maral Prague with the famous Russian Marusha Tadius, Tadius, and what is burning? And they uh, were all excited. They talked about the pogrom that Tadius had drummed up and everything. Open the back door, please. Kitzer. They all were very happy. That's it. It means kill the Jews. And the Gallic says, the Pope says, oh, 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 hold on, let's read further. And he continues reading and he finds that it says that it was all a program, it was all a, a, a joke, it was a false thing, and the Jews were exonerated. That's it, we have to exonerate the Jews now as well. And that was it. Okay, so the Gallic, and he tells the bishops, all sign off. To be mevatel dixeret to break the decree, and you, Rabbi Jew, get get out of here. So the chassid goes back with this royal, whatever he is, and he goes back to his palace first, of course. Comes to the palace, and the guy says to him, "By the way, here he takes out a bundle, five hundred gold." He says, here's the 500 gulden that we borrowed, and I borrowed, here they are, I can pay you back now. But he says, Leibish, you're missing the end. But he says, I can't give you any interest. So the guy, the figured he doesn't have extra money, doesn't have any more than that, he can't give interest. So, he says to him, why can't you give interest? So he says, because I'm a Jew. No problem. Okay, I'll call him. Okay.
So, he says, sorry Atlanta, we cut you off over there for a second. He says, I can't give you interest because I'm a Jew. He says, you're a Jew? He says, yes. I was a young boy in Russia, from a Frum family. Unfortunately, um, I hung out with the wrong guys. I got connected with the wrong people. I got influenced by the wrong people. And I fell through the cracks. Started partying, partying hard. And I lived up a life, a chazash and tog. And the tsarina godl, I left it all. I left it all and I made it into the nice big circles, the big peoples. And I was making the big monies. My family came from paupers. We had nothing, we barely had anything to eat ever. Here I struck it rich. And see, very good. I had friends, I had a, bed, a nice house. By game, and someone trumped up a story against me. They trumped up a story against me. I got arrested, I was in jail. But my good friends bound, tied together, got together and they fought tooth and nail. They got me out of jail. They fought my case. And they got me freed. But this sent me back a lot of money that I didn't have. So I borrowed from here and from there. I was borrowing a lot of money from people and I pushed it, ran out of resources. So I went to France. I said, let me... I told my creditors, let me go to France and I'll go, I'll collect the rest of the money there. But nobody knew me there. Nobody knew who I was. It wasn't working. In France, I was walking the streets one day, terribly dejected and feeling really down. And I walked by a shul. And out of the shul, I hear the blast of the shefer. It's the shefer. It's Rosh Hashanah. It's Rosh Hashanah. I couldn't believe my ears. I couldn't believe my mind. I ran into the shul. I took in the corner a talus. I threw it over my head. And I cried my heart out like a baby. After davening, the Gabbai came over, the Shamas came over to me and saw I was a stranger here, very strange, because I had the uh, very royal garments, and I'm sitting in Shul davening like a real Yid. He knew something's wrong. <coughs> he said, Abid, you have to go to Mezhbush. Gave Mezhbush, led me to Bashem, to talk to the Bashem HaKadosh. And I did. I went to Mezhubuj and I said, Rebbe, I want to do tshuva. Rebbe, I can't continue like this. Rebbe, this is not a life. I made a mistake. Please teach me how to do tshuva. So the Bashanta says to him, why are you in France? I was in France because I, I was like the guy already. And uh, I told the whole story. And the money, how much you need still? 
So I don't want to go back, I said to the Rebbe. I don't want to go back, it doesn't matter, I don't need anything, I don't want to go back, I want to live, I'll, I'll eat, I'll live bread and water. Pashat <laughs> said, how much do you need? He says, I would need 500 gulden, which as we heard before, is a tremendous amount of money. Pashat said, go to Bohemia, you'll find my chassid, this is his name, and ask him for a loan, 500 gulden, but don't tell him who you are. So I came to you <coughs> to borrow the money. And your answer was, <laughs> how can I give blindly 500 gold? I need to talk to the Rebbe. So you went back to the same source that sent me to you. And the Balshento, of course, told you, <laughs> of course, give him the money. But the Balshento did not disclose my secret. I asked the Bashemta though before I came to you, why are you not allowing me to do tshuva? Bashemta says, go back to your palace. Go back to living the regular lifestyle you're living, but on the on the secret, you have to become a yid. You have to daven, you have to do whatever you can as in the secret. I've been living that lifestyle. Vashanta said, you will know when you are finished, when your tshuva is accepted, when you can leave. I made the kishorim, I made my connections with the Pope and everything. When you arrived in my house, I knew this is the end, the beginning of the end. And therefore, we took care of everything and I realized the Vashanta's plan, the Vashanta's whole theory here with the 500 gulden, was so that 15 years later, when you have to go to the Pope, I should be there for you. So for 15 years I'm living like this, waiting to hear that my tshuva is accepted. And now that Baruch Hashem, you've come back, so I have to pay you back your money, but I can't give you ribbis, because a Jew doesn't loan money on ribbis, chashom. And there was no hetericke written up for those people that are listening to this year. And they're going to give me a big thumb and say, Oh, but he could have made a hetericke. There was no Hatiska made up, obviously, because at the time he thought he was giving it to a guy. And therefore, I now know that my tshuva has been accepted. I now know why I was sent here. And the two of them went back to their sources. He went back to the Mezhibush, the, ro- the, ro- the uh, royal fellow, and the Chassu went back to Bohemia to save his people so Rosh Hashanah is an inspiration Rosh Hashanah is not just an inspiration for those that want to go to Shul Rosh Hashanah is an inspiration for those who even pass by the Shul and therefore Shabbos Bereshis doesn't have that what it does have is it's Shabbos Mevarchim Mini Chabad Shabbos Mevarchim we say the entire Tehillim before davening. So the minion for Tehillim starts at 8.30 a.m. So it's Friday night. You get to sleep a little bit earlier now because Shabbos is a little earlier, Baruch Hashem. But you won't really because there's going to be Baruch Hashem still guests here and they keep you up and they fabring and we talk and we sit. You still have the camaraderie. You still have the, the air, but it's not the same as it was till now. 
it's not what was Rosh Hashanah, what was Yom Kippur, what was Sukkot. The camaraderie, the love, the the fervor that you sat Shavasachim Gam Yochad, and therefore it's only it's only Shabbos Bereishis. It's only Shabbos Mevarachim. Yes, we're going to fabring, and I hope everybody fabrings and has in mind when they say the Chayim Aron of the Yezer Ben Rivka because everybody has to remember and understand a chassidish of can accomplish more than Malach Machol can accomplish. I don't remember if I ever told how that works, but I can't go into that now. But a chassidish of accomplishes more than Malach Machol can accomplish, and therefore we ask that everybody it's been a, a program, a, a something that's been going around worldwide now. They're trying to get everybody that can, anybody that will, to fabring this Shabbos, to make a chassidish of even if it's only with one person or two people, and to make this chassidish of and say the chayim, and say the chayim, to have a refuah shalema. And uh, he needs it. He's a very, very special fellow, a special friend of mine, always was, and he's going through a very hard situation. So he didn't breathe daven for him. If I bring for him, say the chayim for him. Um, wrong, wrong, wrong number. The creation of the world and from creation on. And we all know, of course, the first Rashi that we have is Amr Abitzchak Lehayatzarek. Abitzchak says the Tera should not have started gracious, should have started from the first mitzvah, and there's the explanations behind that. We'll see if we can get to it. I don't believe we can. Before that, we want to start from the first word of the Pasha. The very first word, of the very first chapter, the very first verse of the very first book of Genesis. Bereshis bara Elekim. We know the famous story which we have talked about before of the king that took the sages and separated them into different rooms and asked them to translate the Torah in Greek Rechman al-Islam Talmai, King Talmai, correct 
ask them to have the Torah correct, translated into Greek. And he put them in separate rooms to see how their translations would work out. He didn't want them to co-conspirate with the ideas of what it's all about, of any changes or anything they would make. And so they sat in different rooms and they made several changes and each one made the exact same changes as the others. And the very first change was instead of our Pasha saying Bereshis Bara Lekim it said Lekim Bara Bereshis. Instead of saying in the beginning God created leaving a little loophole for Talmai Amelot to think that that means that Bereshis something called Bereshis Baralekim, God forbid, created God. Which would be complete heresy. And therefore, they wrote Alekim Barabarashis. God created in the beginning. We know the word Barashis starts with letter Bays. And the worldwide question is, if the Teda is beginning, it should start with the Aleph. And actually, Talmai had it right. Talmai had a Teda that started with an Aleph. It said, Alekim, Barabarashis. His Teda started with an Aleph. Why does our Teda start with a base? There's so, so many different explanations to it. But let us explain it in a way that affects us directly. If you're keeping score at home, there's a Gemara in Mesech this Nedorim, Pei Aleph Amir Aleph, 81 side 1, or Bab Metziah, Pei Hei Amir Bez, 85 side 2. Pasuk says, talks about the Pasuk, Alma of the Ha'aretz, what was the land lost for? What was the reason? Al-Ozva Mestayrasi, because you left my Teira. Did all the Jews at the time leave the Torah? No, so how could it be that they left the Torah and therefore they were driven from the land? The words, Ozva Mestayrasi, you left my Teira, did not mean that they did not learn it. They were not involved in it. But rather, they didn't say Birchas HaTera. They learned Tera without saying Birchas HaTera first, the blessings of studying of Tera. And we know the Bach says, in Shulchan Aruch, Erechayim, if you want to look it up, it's Simen Mem Zayin. And the Bach says, which is 47, for those who need the numbers, And the Bach says clearly, this is a Yisayid Nifla. This is a very strong foundation. Why? The Kavanasi is Baruch Me'elam Haisa, Shinia Eskim Batedik, Deshitis Atzim, Nishmei Seinu, Ba'atzmus, Veruchnius, Kedushas, 
Mokir Meitzehatera. The reason for the study of Tera, the intention was that we should be so involved that our souls, our essence, should come up with the entire learning of the Tera, totally overwhelmed, totally enveloped with the Tera. And this is one that has in mind Bracha of Asher, Bracha Arbano. But now, they went and they did not do this. They didn't learn Teda for the reason, but for physical, not for the spiritual. They didn't have in mind to become one and to attach themselves with the spirituality and the holiness of the Teda, and therefore thereby bringing down the Shekhinah onto this world. Because they did not say the blessing, referring to Hashem's Torah. And since they neglected to do so, therefore they were driven from the land. Learning Torah has two things to it the knowledge. In a way that a mind gets sharpened, the one that learns it. And you can understand from within other things, you can understand another thing. And another thing is connecting and becoming one with the one that gave us the Torah, with God Himself. Which this is the holiness of Teda, which is higher than actual Seichel. When a Jew involves himself in Teda, he attaches himself, becomes connected with God Himself. As he finds in the halachas and the dinim of the Torah. Thereby we say, in the bracha before te- learning a Torah, that we recognize the fact that the Torah that we're learning is not just a brilliant commentary, a brilliant study, but we recognize whose Torah we are actually studying. And this is our route with which to connect ourselves to God and to become one with God. With the spirituality, the holiness of Torah, which is higher than actual seichel of the person. Although we are studying it, and although we learn it, and although we understand it, and although we can actually discuss it and discourse it and go back and forth with it but still and all it's way above us We're way out of, it's way out of our league as we say it and therefore the Chazal say that the order must be that Baruch first you need to make a, bl- a blessing for study of Torah which this is actually a preparation, an introduction, a obligatory one to give us for studying of Torah, to show how it must be given over, how we must connect to the one that gave us the actual Torah and the holiness of the Torah. 
And even though we don't really, really, truly understand it. And the proof is therefore that we start with the letter Bayes. Because we know the letter base is the second letter, not the first. Because when a person starts to learn the Teda, and he says that base of Bereshis, and he starts to learn the Teda, this is not the beginning of his service to God. It's only the base of learning. He knows, has to be reminded that the Aleph still precedes him. That as much as he gets into Teda, as much as he knows Teda, he needs that Aleph, the Birchas HaTeda, the blessing of the Teda, and the Kavana, and the understanding, and the connection that one needs to have by giving himself over and connecting with God directly with learning and the study of the Teda. And therefore he starts Bayes with a Bereshis, and not with an Aleph, teaching us that although there is so much that we are accomplishing by studying the Teda, there is still an inferior concept here. There is still an inferiority in that we are not the ones that are writing the book. We are not the ones that are creating this whole God from God and the way of God. The first thing as we read through the creation and as creation goes on is the sixth day of creation the sixth day of creation comes and the Torah then tells us God finished his work on the seventh day and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he did. Rashi therefore tells us Rabbi Shimon says the man, the son of man of blood and bones who does not know actually what his times are, when he is, where he is, and he doesn't have the promptness of every moment. His obligation, says Reb Shimon Sarich, the Hesif Michel Alakedish, needs to add from the weekday to Kedish. Avalakedish Baruchu, but the Almighty. He knows every second that there is. He went in exactly to the T, to the last second. And looks like he finished on that very, very day. Another explanation. What was the world missing? The only thing that was not created yet. Menucha. Rest. Boshabas. Shabbos arrives and rest arrives. The work has come to an end and has been finished. And this is how Rashi explains the work and the service of God. 
I'd like to just jump ahead to this thing. Instead of asking you all the questions and explain and going through the deep questions that goes on in this Rashi, such as for one, Chuta is a measurement of the hair's breadth, a hair string, string of a hair. That's a measurement of physical land. If you want to measure a time restraint, you'd say Keherafayin, like the blink of an eye. So that in itself is already an awkward situation, as we would say. But anyway, we just want to go into a little bit more of this about the Rashi. First of all, Rabbi Shimon. The Rashi starts off, Rabbi Shimon Eimer. Rashi is coming to explain to us the Pasuk. Rashi is telling our little Ben Chamesh the Mikra, this Pasuk has a difficulty, and therefore I'm going to explain it to you. Thank you, Rashi. You're welcome. Why does Rashi then tell us, Amrab Yitzchak, Amrab Shimon Eimer, Shimon said, who cares who told it to us? What does that have to do with the actual explanation? Rabbi Shimon is Dorish Taim of the Kro. He used to, he was very into explaining every word of the Pasuk. If you keep your score at home, you'll go to the Bab Metziah, Kuftes Vav of 115 side 1. You see, his theme, his way of doing things was Dorish Taim of the Kro. And when there's a din in the Pasuk, but the din is based on the reason of what, a certain reason of the Pasuk, then in the Mikra, where it's, the reason for this is not really relevant to us, it affects the actual Havacha. Here too, since HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows exactly what second of the day is going to be, he doesn't have the obligation of Hesafa Michel Alash of adding from the mundane to the holy. It's not Shaykh by him. And so he's Potter Kvayachul from actually doing this halacha. And therefore it's Reb Shimon that we are quoting because he is the one of that opinion. This is his opinion of how the actual halacha is noted in the Pasuk. Now really we'd like to know about this Rashi. We said before that HaKadosh Baruch came in Kichut HaSaira like the thread, the thread of, a, of, a, of a hair strand of a hair we know that one of the works, one of the jobs, one of the malachas that are Asr and Shabbos is Gemar Malacha, finishing an actual job. Which this is a tilda, this is a, a offspring of the concept of Makibah Patish. You see this again if you keep your score at home in Shabbos 
Ayin Hei Amid Beis, 75 side 2, discussing the concept of Makir Patish and how that is the, the bottom line, when you bang the hammer in, you finish off that last nail, that's considered the Makamar Malacha. So to explain what's hinted over here, in Lashon Rashi where it says, this language goes on something of its own entity. And therefore it's not something that we need to dispute. When you add this to something else similar, then you feel just like the hair, each one is not recognizable. A head of hair, you recognize all the hair together. You don't recognize each hair as its own entity. It's the same way here also. The melacha, this actual work that the Almighty had in the beginning, right in the beginning, as soon as Shabbat started, some semblance of any kind of work which has no value to it. It doesn't come into the category of Makabapatish, which is a full pa'ula, as we call it. Lifting up the hammer, putting it onto the nail, putting the nail into the wood. If this was able to happen until Chutasaida, until the last hair breath over there while it was still daytime and only putting down the hammer he lifted it up and he was swinging it it was still right before Shabbos but the actual action boom, hit on Shabbos this might have been permissible even though the sages said let's refrain from walking into such problems and therefore said, don't work after the half day. And not only that, but they said that a half of malach is also not good. If you walked with something on Friday, and you carried it and carried it and put it down on Shabbos, it's not acceptable. Right at the beginning of the sect of Shabbos, Gimel Amit Beis, if he's keeping score at home, side, page 3, side 1, side 2. Dafka, if the second part, if half of this malacha that was done on Shabbos is a concept on its own, putting something down is a concept on its own, it's its own entity. You don't have to lift up and put down on Shabbos. The fact that you're putting down on Shabbos is already in the malacha. Mashenkin, if half the job is not part of the malacha at all, Without this half, without this half of the job, there'd be no job at all. And this was done before Shabbos, like in our case, the finishing touch, the finishing bang of that hammer. Nothing to do with the fact that it touched it. The hammer was coming down. Everything was done. It was done kichuta saida. So therefore, this one bang cannot finish the actual work. 
So the bang when this hammer came down at this point in time was a effect from something that was done before Shabbos. And therefore it was not done in Shabbos itself. And it also is chedek of this malachim. concept though ultimately of Chut HaSayda he explains is a little a little point more than time this little point of the bus of Adam is not known not misogly at all to be able to decipher that only HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who knows Itav and Regoyev can do this now the truth is we find here Find single strands of hair, usually in someone's food. Mm-hmm. Ooh, middle of the burger. Um, middle of the challah. Anyway, um, the time span of Chutasara is not discernible by a, by, <coughs> by a human being. And therefore, that's what's being referred to here. When it says Chutasara by the Ebishter. And one more little point. Almighty blessed seventh day. He sanctified it. Because he rested from all the work that he had created and done. The kitchen b'mon, he sanctified it with mon. The kedusha, the separation, the avdala. We see kedushim to you, perushim and arayas. Says here also we say shikitsha b'mon. The idea of the day of Shabbos separated from the rest of the week we see by mon, because the mon came down before Shabbos and did not come on Shabbos, and therefore he sanctified the Shabbos. In this way, through the mon. So we should be zeicher takel as Mishtel Tzavek Shabbos Bereishis, as Mishtel Tzavek Hamagan Tzior. Very quick vort over here on, on Hakel, which is this yamtiv we just had the Hakel. My Mechsidus says Ilu Mipiagvura Shemas if he. When he hears from the king, it has to be as if God heard it. God himself said it. We know from the Hill Parasha, he said, saying a maimah through the through the Rebbe, when the Rebbe said a maimah, it was as if, Hill Parasha used to say, it's as if this was given on Sinai. And therefore, everything was exactly and punctual. So you have to know that the connection of Shnaz Hakil is the hearing of Parashas from the mouth of the king, this is if the day that we were given the Torah on Sinai. For now we are commanded in this Piyagvura, we heard it from the Ebishter, same way also the Melech, the Shliach, comes to let us hear the words of God, as brought on in Rambam, and Adirabah, when Amaymach Siddhas is said, that it's on a higher level, not only a reading through the Melech, that is not only a Shliach, but even greater than that, like Moshe Rabbeinu, where the concept of Shechina the Shechina spoke from his throat, and therefore we take every word in a literal fashion.
Therefore, we should actually be merit, merit, and be zeichet to hear on this very Shabbos words from Piyagvura, from Rashkina Medebedes, who say that the Eivishter should reappoint his shliach, and he should have, uh, reappoint his shliach, his Mishdavid Malka Meshicha, and he should be Neskala for us this, for the, before this Shabbos, and we should spend this Shabbos of Hakel, Shabbos of Archim, and Shtelzravek Shabbos Vereshis, in Yerushalayim, Yerak Kedish, Shabbat Shalom to all. Amen.